The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It is time to go beyond the box score on Fantasy Football Today. Advanced stats from simple people. Adam Azer, Jacob Gibbs, and Dan Schneier here on Monday afternoon recapping a Steelers 23-18 win over the Raiders. We'll talk about Devon A-Chain. We'll talk about the ja- that crummy Jaguars offense and what went wrong for them. Uh, that crummy Patriots running game and what went wrong for them. What went wrong is a dangerous thing to say. And doing it twice at the intro is 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 twice as dangerous. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. Well, actually, I have the best advanced stat ever. I guarantee Jacob Gibbs cannot even look this up. <laughs> no chance. You ready for this? This is exciting. Houston fullback Andrew Beck became the heaviest player ever to return a kickoff for a touchdown. <laughs> the heaviest I, player. I could look that up. Oh, true media. True media is crazy, man. <laughs> Yeah, that was from uh, the, I think, believe the Associated Press game recap there. So there's that. But let's jump right into it. Um, We got our five big topics later. We got advanced stats. We got some film review. But Pittsburgh 23, Las Vegas 18. Jacob, what are your fantasy takeaways from this one? Najee Harris, man. Uh, We're going to probably get to him later in the biggest fallers so far that we've seen. But, like, he's... He's getting phased out. We're seeing it continue to be close to 50-50. And um, I just... I I got him as a throw-in in a trade early on in the year, and I like almost dropped him this past week to pick up a defense. Where it's like I don't, I never want to use this guy. Like he feels like he has zero fantasy <laughs> value. I was thinking about that during the game. When when would I draft him right now? You know, because first yeah. he was a third round pick, then he was a fourth round pick, then he was a fifth, sixth round pick. Keep going. I mean, that's what I kind of felt yeah. like. It doesn't matter how far he falls; he's going to be a bust. But he didn't really get phased out. I mean, he had 19 carries, right? So yeah, there's still he only ran six routes, but that's like the best game script he could have possibly had or asked yeah. for, and he still didn't produce. And that's the issue I think I see here. Oh, I mean, there are a ton of issues. 
Uh, let's talk about the other. Yeah. Well, actually, before we move to the other running back with issues, Josh Jacobs, we were supposed to get more work for for Jalen Warren. We we didn't really. I mean, he had eight carries, you know, whoopity doo, and he had three catches, which was actually a season low. Uh, everybody sees the Steelers' backfield, and everybody wants the same thing. We want more Warren, but you know, uh, are you buying low on Warren? Do you think it's ever going to happen? Is he going to be fetched? Are we ever going to make him happen? That's I'm not mean girls. I mean, I'm not buying. I'm not. Yeah, that's mean girls. I knew that one <laughs> at least, but mostly just from like memes and stuff. I mean, I don't think I've actually ever seen mean girls, yeah. but yeah, I don't watch mean girls. It's a great movie. Sure did. Great sure did. Movie. <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever seen it, but I've seen like all the memes and stuff. I don't see movies, Jacob. You know this. I'm not a movie guy. I'm a TV guy, but. I mean, I wasn't buying on Warren even at the beginning when I thought this would happen where he would get more touches because I'm not buying Steelers offense. And I will say this. I was a little intrigued slash impressed with Kenny Pickett. I thought that was personally the best game I've seen of him as a pro at the NFL level. But I'm not so sure things are going to get much better. I don't trust Matt Canada. I don't trust his offense. So I don't want pieces in this offense. And I don't want Jalen Warren for that reason. Okay, let's talk about Josh Jacobs. First three games of last season, Josh Jacobs scored 8.3 fantasy points at the Chargers, 9.1 fantasy points against the Cardinals, and 14.7 fantasy points at Tennessee. He had five catches in that game. He did not reach 70 rushing yards in any game. He had two catches combined in the first two games. I am sure people were disappointed and upset with Josh Jacobs. He ended up having an amazing season after that. The next three games, weeks four through six, he scored 30 or more fantasy points in every game. Um... He did average 4.6 yards per carry in those first three games, so at least he had that going for him. Uh, he is now actually, going back to the end of last season, it's getting a little concerning. It's six straight games for Jacob. Three, three Jacobs, not Jacob Gibbs. Josh Jacobs. Three straight games at the end of last year. Three straight to begin this year. His longest run is 12 yards in those six games. Um, so, yeah, bad start last year, but you know, better indicators, I would say. But, Dan, where, where are you at on Josh Jacobs? Well, you heard where I was at on the mailbag show last Friday. Um, I talked about him as somebody I would look to sell low on. I would not be buying low on at all with Josh Jacobs. They were We were asked the question, uh, and on the mailbag, would you trade to, uh, Puka Nakua for Josh Jacobs? Jamie said yes, easy trade. I said no, and I said this looks like one of those trades where it seems so obvious, but it's not going to look that way at the end of the year, and I stand by that. I think the biggest issue for Josh Jacobs is one that he can't overcome, which is that Jimmy Garoppolo is his quarterback. If you look at the numbers, he's faced so many fewer two high safety looks this year than he's faced last year on a per game basis. And that's not going to change. Defenses do not respect Jimmy Garoppolo's deep ball and they won't just start to do that. And I think we've seen the issues on the Raiders offensive line that didn't pop up maybe as much last year because Derek Carr was holding those safeties deeper pop up this year. And it's a lot easier to attack that offense, in my opinion, with Jimmy G as quarterback. So I am out on Josh Jacobs rest of season. I don't see the breakout coming and I would look to sell. I mean, Jamie said sell him after this week because he'd have a good week. But now, you know, he didn't have any. He had another bad week. So it's going to be even tougher to sell him, I guess. Yeah, I, I actually hate the sell him after this week. I've brought this up before. I hate the sell him after this week because he's going to have a good week. Because if that player has a bad week when he's supposed <laughs> to have a good week, his value plummets. Right. Now, Jacobs, look, I mean, you can compare to Miles Sanders, maybe. Miles Sanders scored a touchdown in week three. 
So Josh Jacobs is always going to have that chance, and he's always going to be involved. I know he's not the third down guy, but he's always involved in the passing game. I don't think he stinks. I don't think he's useless. I just think that you're going to end up, he's not going to end up returning value. So let me just put these comments up. Uh, Jacobs or Javante rest of season? Jacobs. Yeah, Jacobs slightly not, for me. Oh, that's so I think it's clearly Jacobs. I've got some stuff I would, I would throw in on him. I think we're a little bit low here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so yeah, you mentioned that he's not necessarily the third down guy, but we saw him in a clear negative game script and he still ran a ton of routes, 29 routes yesterday, 60% route participation, which is up again for the third straight week, um, five and six targets each of the past two games. So that is encouraging. Obviously the offensive line is a problem and I do have stats, um, to back up what Dan said about facing more defenders up in the box. Um, that's definitely happening and Jimmy Garoppolo is an issue. So I think that does lower the ceiling and give us more um, games where we're going to get pretty bad efficiency. And that's real. Um, his percentage of rushes with eight or more defenders in the box is 29% up from 20% last year. It's been above 30% in two of his three games um, compared to just three times last year, all season. So that's a real problem for him. Um, but I just think Josh Jacobs is way better than Miles Sanders or people that we've compared him to so far. And I think the offense is going to be better um, than it has been so far. So I, I, I would hold. Okay. And I, I would even buy him in some spots if he's super cheap. It sounds like if Dan had him, I would probably trade for him. I mean, I'm not going to just give him up for nothing. Like he's still a back that gets touches, but it's just right, I just don't right. see him getting to that level again. Well, what about a chain or Mostert? Uh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know um, it's very hard. I do think this is the the peak of the Raheem Mostert value. Yeah. Probably, but I think as long as he stays healthy, he's still going to have a good role in that offense. So, and that offense is so damn good. I would take him over Mostert. Um, I don't. He's, he's got the whole backfield to himself. That's so rare. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but so does like so does like Rashad White and Miles Sanders. He's so right? much better than those guys, though. I know, but he led the, the whole league in broken tackles last year. Like he's been one of the best running backs. He's in the prime of his career. <laughs> Agreed on everything there, and yet. It seems like we have a situation here where it's going to be really difficult for me to envision him scoring fantasy points outside of falling into a few touchdowns. Yeah. All right. Uh, more on the Dolphins running backs later. <clears throat> nice bounce back, I guess, for Pat Fryermuth, but he still only had four targets. I actually do see a bit of a concerning trend for the Steelers. <clears throat> Their pass attempts in wins. Um, and that's 28 for Pickett yesterday and 30 for Pickett in their win against Cleveland in week two. And they, I mean, I, maybe if they just can't run the ball, <coughs> sorry, I really don't even know what to say at this point. I'm going to have to go to the doctor soon. But if they can't run the ball, <laughs> maybe they'll just stop trying and they'll throw the ball more. But not a lot of uh, pass attempts in the in the wins for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, I, we could talk about everything here, but we really should move on. Although I will say Jacoby Myers feeling like a draft day regret for me wasn't even on my radar, really. And two terrific games for him with 80 or more yards, seven or more catches and 22 targets in his two games. Uh, your news and notes, I'll get to that in a second. We'll talk about Mike Williams, who's out for the season. But tonight we have a live stream at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Usually our Monday night live stream is at 7.30 p.m., but we do have that other Monday night football game. So 6.30 p.m. Eastern, answering any waiver wire questions or whatever you have. Join us at youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Sportsline. You can find Jacob's content on Sportsline. You can find... Other, you know, you can find some of our other writers, Dave and Heath. I think some of their content is on Sportsline. Is it still ten bucks a month, Jacob, for Sportsline? Like it's most inexpensive, incredible resource for gambling and for fantasy. Yeah, and your first month is a dollar. Oh, I have that. 
$1. Yeah. So sign up on Sportsline right now for exclusive content for gambling and fantasy. You won't regret it. Your news and notes, Derek Carr is a shoulder injury. <clears throat> Jimmy Garoppolo was evaluated for a concussion after the game, actually. So we'll see about that. Mike Williams is out for the season. Are you guys Josh Palmer or Quinton Johnston, guys? Quinton Johnston. I think I can get on board with both right now. Um, Josh Palmer had some really good numbers last year in the games without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, just a target standpoint. But And I did like his tape a lot at Tennessee. But I did like Quint- Quinton Johnson's fit in this offense. So I, I, I'm going to wait and see on that. But I like buying on both right now. Yeah, Palmer is interesting. I looked at the per route data for the Chargers when Mike Williams has been off the field since the start of last year. And Keenan Allen actually has seen his numbers drop off a little bit, which is interesting. Um, and Palmer has been 30 or 40% more efficient in terms of his uh, drawing targets and his yard per route run rate. So he could be viable in fantasy, whereas before he's someone who just isn't really part of the offense. I'll tell you, if, if Quentin Johnson were not there and this had happened you know, last year or whatever, I would, I would spend a big chunk of fab on Josh Palmer. You know, I would spend probably 40% at least. Uh, as I said on yesterday's show, he was a must-roster guy last year. He wasn't a must-start, but he was definitely a flex and a really important usable player. And the thing is, he's been ahead of Quinton Johnston since day one. I mean, Quinton mm-hmm. Johnston just did not beat him out. We heard the reports in training camp. I, I think some people were in, a little bit in denial or didn't expect it to stick, which is understandable of Josh Palmer being ahead of Quinton Johnston. But through three games, he is clearly ahead of Quinton Johnston. So you don't have to make the decision now. Listen to the waiver wire show tomorrow. But, I, you know, I think, I mean, I think it probably makes sense. Maybe it depends on your record. Maybe if you're one and two or zero oh and three, you got to go get Josh Palmer. I think he's better now. But definitely, Quentin Johnston could make sense as the long term play. Gus Edwards left with a concussion. Uh, Rashad Bateman left with a hamstring injury. Brutal day for the Panthers. Not only did they lose, but Jonathan Mingo concussion. Linebacker Frankie Louvu left. Uh, safety Xavier Woods left with a hamstring injury. Cornerback C.J. Henderson had an ankle injury. I don't know the severity, but that's three defensive players and Jonathan Mingo for the Panthers, and they were already without their best linebacker, their top cornerback, so they're, they're that team right now. Minnesota could have a field day in Week 4 against the Panthers. Uh, Detroit had a couple of offensive line injuries. Let's see. Josie Jewell, Denver's, I guess, best tackler. Well, I don't know. Nobody on that team could tackle. But Josie Jewell <laughs> left for the Broncos. Miami edge Jalen Phillips left with an oblique injury. How about Matt Gay? He set a record with four field goals of 50 or more yards in the same game. So that was cool. Another line, another injury on Baltimore's defense. Linebacker David Ojabo left with an ankle injury. Charger safety Derwin James hurt his hamstring. I didn't see that one, but I read about it after the game. Uh, New England defensive lineman Devon Godshaw left. Saints right guard Cesar Ruiz left with a concussion. Doug Peterson may have taken over play calling in the second half. We're going to talk a lot about the Jags offense. You heard Jamie talk about it on the show last night about waiting for Doug Peterson to take over. That may have already happened. It may have been in the second half, and they were better in the second half. Uh, Miami gain, of all the stats, this is the one. I mean, 70 points is incredible, but 726 total yards. That is nine short of an NFL record. They were three points away. If they had kicked a field goal at the end there, they would have set the new NFL record. They decided to be, I guess, classy about it. Amari Cooper had a huge game. I know Jacob was high on him uh, in week two. I hope we all are. We are all were actually. But Amari Cooper had a big game. He also should have had another really long touchdown, but it was called mm-hmm. that he stepped out of bounds, which he definitely did not. And Justin Fields said that the Chiefs had a spy on him to take away his rushing, and he's got some things to figure out. They've got some things to figure out there. Let's see. I just got offered a trade in a league okay. just now. 
I'm being offered Adam Thielen, so I'm pretty much sure I'm going to reject it. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Thielen for T. Higgins. Very clever. Very clever. That's not going to happen. <laughs> We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got advanced stats. We've got uh, snap counts. We've got five big topics. We've got film review. All coming up after this. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Jacob Gibbs, dazzle us with some advanced metrics. All right, we got to start with Tank Dell. I'm so obsessed with Tank Dell right now. He's just always, always open. And you might think of him as like a slot guy because he's tiny. He's straight up just winning from the perimeter. 80% of his snaps have come out wide. Um, he's playing in two receiver sets. Robert Woods has been their primary guy in two receiver sets, but Tank Dell is running just as many routes as Nico Collins from two receiver sets. And in fact, he's actually ran more total routes than Nico Collins in back-to-back -back weeks. We brought this up last week. We're like, why was Nico Collins third on the team in routes? It happened again in week three. And then we also saw the targets drop off for Nico. I love Nico. We've talked about him a lot. I think he adds a really valuable element to this offense in terms of his ability to stretch the field. But I think it's entirely possible that we see Tank Tell just run away as the, the target earner in this offense and the clear guy. He's led the team in targets in back-to-back -back weeks. Um, he led all of college football in receiving in 2021 and 22 seasons. He's really, really good. Um, Sam Laporta, another wait, wait, rookie. Wait, wait, time out. Yeah. Would you pick up? A Chargers receiver or Tank Dell from the waiver wire? Tank Dell. Okay. Go ahead, Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta, um, route participation, second um, week in a row that we've seen it rise, up at 80% in back-to-back -back weeks. Um, he's second at the tight end position in target share through three weeks. Obviously, we saw the breakout game. That's backed by really impressive usage so far. Um, and we haven't really seen... Jameer Gibbs incorporated into the offense in the way that we would have liked to. He only had a 50% route um, participation rate this week, Jameer Gibbs, and his targets weren't really there. I, I think I'm really encouraged by what we've seen from Laporta so far. And I'm curious what you guys think about Amon Ross St. Brown. Do you think he's still going to be fine? I w wondered going into the season if Laporta and Jameer Gibbs were a bit redundant in terms of the way that they win and where they get targets in the field um, with St. Brown. So I was hoping they would just push him, push St. Brown down the field more. They've done that a little bit. Um, but on the snaps where Jameer Gibbs has been involved as a route runner, St. Brown's target rate has dropped dramatically. It's a small sample size, of course. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about Detroit's offense because mm -hmm. I've been blown away by Laporta, first off, for fantasy. He looks like a top six, top eight fantasy tight end right now. Um, and I'm a little bit worried about St. Brown. And yeah, that just really surprised me to feel so strongly after three weeks. 
especially after back-to-back 100-yard games. I'm not even a little bit worried about St. Brown. I mean, you saw Josh Reynolds did not get a single target. So I think there'll be weeks where Laporta doesn't get a lot of targets. There'll be weeks where where Reynolds gets nothing and Gibbs doesn't get much. And there will be a couple of weeks here and there where St. Brown has a bad game, but I think he looks great. I think he's so good. Yeah, I think he's totally fine personally. Dan, agree? Disagree? I'm I'm with Adam on this one. I'm not worried about St. Brown. I am interested to see if Jamison Williams, when he returns, does anything for this offense or changes it in any way. But I still think this one will operate through St. Brown on a target basis. I mean, the rapport they've built. I wanted to comment a little bit about Tank Dell. I mean, I'm going to, you brought him up, Jacob. You brought up some incredible stats. I was going to bring him up on Biggest Riser, uh, which we're going to, a segment we're going to do later, but I'll just talk about him a little bit now. Tank Dell, over his last two games, 17 targets, 12 catches, 227 yards, and two touchdowns. Insane stat line for fantasy. And I just think back to watching him at Houston and I talked about him a lot on our shows before the draft and on my show for big blue banter. Cause he was my favorite target for the giants. I felt like his film at Houston, like you said, Jacob was very underrated. People just looked at him like, Oh, he's five foot six, five foot eight, uh, five foot eight, whatever he is. He's going to have to be a slot receiver, but he won on the outside. He beat press man. He beat all these coverages that a lot of the receivers in this draft didn't beat. And he was incredibly productive at Houston all areas of the field. One of the only receivers in this class I thought won at all areas of the field. And then it just translate right away as a rookie so far. And one thing that I just want to throw out there, it's like the, uh, you know, the Cooper cup, Matt Stafford locker room narrative, which, you know, you can run with it if you want to, you can run with it if you don't, but CJ Stroud, wanted tank Dell. Like he watched this tape and he said, this is the guy I want you to draft. Go out and get me tank Dell. And the Texans obliged. They did draft him the guy he wanted. And right away they're showing immediate rapport. And so I just think that's something to think about. It happened with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. It's happened with plenty of receiver quarterback duos over time. And so I just think there could be really big breakout potential here with Tank Dell. He was on one of my biggest riser lists, and he's somebody I'm definitely looking to buy high on. That's the side of things we didn't even hit on is CJ Stroud has been unbelievable. So off-platform throws, like when he's clean, everything looks really, really good. I really like Slowick's offense that he's got going there. And then we've talked about a little bit the volume numbers in terms of dropbacks that they're allowing in Houston. Like that's why when you ask me to compare him to the LA Chargers receivers, like my first instinct is like, no, Houston guy, don't choose him over them in a similar situation um, in terms of target ambiguity and the type of target share they could get. But like he, the volume in Houston is incredible. Yeah, and if that sustains, like he could be a huge, huge fantasy breakout. Like we've and seen already. And what's crazy, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but I did watch his tape, Stroud's tape from week two. I didn't see week three yet, and he was unbelievable in that game as well. And what's crazy about this to me is as I watched that game and some clips from these past two, uh, from week one and three, he's doing it with really bad offensive line play there in yeah. Houston. Like that often, like that never happens. It just, you don't see offenses operate with bad O line play, but in this style of offense, this Bobby Slowick, Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, all from that same coaching tree. I almost feel like the way they scheme up the offense, they negate the offensive line's impact because the ball is out before the before the pass protection matters almost on a lot of these plays. You watch Tua and Mike McDaniel, the ball's just out. Like Everyone's like, look at this pocket. It's like the pocket didn't even matter here. The ball yeah. was out so fast. And so I'm almost looking at that coaching tree as maybe the next big breakout coaching tree, and we might see Slowick get a head coach job at some point sooner than expected um, to try to find you know catch lightning in a bottle like the Dolphins did with Mike McDaniel. But right now that offense is operating at a high level in the passing game despite not having good pass protection. All right, what else we got, Jacob? So Brees Hall's snap rate week by week, 32%, then 33%. We saw him at 48% this last week. That's encouraging. Obviously, the Jets are a dumpster dumpster fire, but Brees Hall is so good that if he gets the snaps, I think fantasy points will come. 
on the other side of this, not so encouraging. Um, Brian Robinson, we really saw, this is something we kind of hinted at after his second week. We really saw the floor fall out from under him and his first negative game script. 37% snap rate for Brian Robinson. He ran six routes compared to 28 routes for Antonio Gibson. That is brutal. Yeah, um, he was yeah, still super efficient. You're going to have to play the game the game script, I think. And at Philadelphia yeah, yeah. next week, there's no chance I'm starting Brian Robinson there. But then Chicago, Atlanta, the Giants. I mean, yeah, look, he he's doesn't stink. But, uh, you know, just just be aware. He's, he's going to be game script dependent, it seems. He got a goal line carry, so he could have scored a touchdown there. He got stuffed, but... Anyway, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Jacob. The Broncos missed twenty-five tackles oh, on one three. on one play. I think with Devon Aiche, <laughs> there are eighteen teams that haven't missed that many tackles all season. Wow! Um, and so next up is the Bears. Isaiah Pacheco gets the Broncos in weeks um, five and seven, I believe. And I just want to talk about him because we talked about the role expanding a little bit last week. Didn't see it really matter this week because it was such a blowout, but. Isaiah Pacheco avoided 23 tackles his rookie season on 170 attempts. This year, he's avoided 15 tackles, and one of those games against the Bears, 15 tackles on 35 attempts. I just think he's looked really, really, really good when he's got opportunities. And we did see them actually line up and just give him a handoff in the red zone a few times. He finally scored on one. He almost scored on another. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm continuing to rise on Pacheco slowly. I think he's approaching top 20 status. Okay, yeah. that's. And then one last avoided tackle raid. So the leaders through three games, Pacheco, Bijan Robinson, James Conner at 15, uh, Travis Etienne at the very top 20, Raheem Mostert 19 after his 11 avoided tackles in week three against the Broncos. Wow. <laughs> Kenneth Walker 19, Christian McCaffrey 17, Zach Moss 16. Zach Moss has played two games. <laughs> wow. And he is... He's always been a really good of uh, good at that yeah. stat. Like that dates back to his yeah. collegiate career as well. Um, but it's impressive to say the least. Yeah, that's. I don't know. Just and are we sure that. Jonathan Taylor is just going to come right back off the pup? <laughs> like we don't know that. There's been no information on that. Like there's a chance this dude just plays the minimum games to get the crude contract year, and that would mean Moss is going to be probably RB two at worst for any game. John Taylor's not in. I was, actually confused the Ravens. Yeah. I was actually confused about that because if you're out for the year, if you're injured, you st- your contract, you, you accrue the year. If you're injured, placed on IR. Well, he's on PUP, so he's they could pup. put him on IR, I suppose, if he were hurt. But, but they yeah, would, he's not going to... Why gonna, would they like, do that for him? Well, if he says... Yeah, I don't know. Why did they put him on PUP? <laughs> I guess because they were trying <laughs> to trade him. Uh, we have some comments uh, from the chat that I think are pretty interesting, and we'll see if you guys agree with them or not. Um, let's see. Uh, sorry. Got any more stats while I find these as I lost them? Hmm. Keenan Allen, I was going to bring him up as one of the biggest risers. So since Keenan Allen returned in week 11 last year from his hamstring injury, no receiver has averaged more points per game. PPR 21.9 Keenan Allen, 21.5 Justin Jefferson, 21.5 Tyree kill. Um, it's pretty good. Okay, here we go. Adam swims with a shirt on. <laughs> is that true, Adam? It is true, actually. I oh, can't no. I tell you, I got listen. It's one oh. I wear a, I wear a UV shirt, long sleeves, oh, designed God. for the water. Oh, I got a lot God. I got a lot going on under the shirt, right? You know, it's not Adam. so easy to put suntan lotion on there. It oh, takes no, it takes a Adam. while and it takes a lot of suntan lotion and I hate it. 
Oh, and no. I wear the UV shirt in the pool. Oh no! I do. I oh no! What? It's protection from the sun. I it's I wear the UV clothes. If you had on your bingo card that Adam would be incredibly worried about sun and and UV protection and wearing sunscreen at all times and reapplying seventeen times during a day, you were right. I could make you Free feel square. really bad right now, but I don't know. Should I, you think I should make him feel really bad? Uh oh. Yeah, so it's actually a, a little public service announcement. To be, to be really careful about the sun and don't just take it for granted. Thank God everything's fine. My brother is a melanoma survivor. It's okay. stage three melanoma. So it is, you know, it is genetic. I'm supposed to be very cautious. But it's also just easier for me to just, instead of suntan lotioning up, to just put the shirt on. So I do that. But all of you, well, especially if you're driving and the sun is hitting you in the face, on the left side of your face is exactly where he got it. Put some no. suntan lotion on. You should do that. Well, you know what? This did make me feel really bad. Good. And I'm happy. I'm happy he got through that. Yeah, though. he's all good now. He's all good. Uh, speaking of bingo card, Brosi says Adam looks like the type of dude <laughs> to play bingo at retirement homes and try to win. He would find bingo fun. Uh, someone <laughs> said I was I'm allergic to raisins, which is not true. <laughs> I eat raisins all the time. This is my go-to snack. And someone said I'm afraid of the dark, which is not completely untrue i really don't <laughs> like being like in an empty house in the dark or outside in the dark in the lawn or something yeah i'm kind of afraid of the dark all right uh snap counts and other stuff not not a lot here i think but one thing that was really encouraging was rashi rice going 31 percent of the snap share in week one 18 percent in week two 51 percent in week three i think you could argue he's been their best wide receiver on a snap on a per snap basis and I'm looking for, and he had two catches down inside the one Rasheed Rice. Yeah. So you think about, I always think, I like to think about what his his roster percentage, I think it's in the 20s right now. Let's see, oh, it's 26%. So Rasheed Rice had five catches for 59 yards on seven targets. I suspect his roster percentage will be close to 50% uh, after waivers. If he had scored two touchdowns, I think it'd be about 80%. I will say that he he had 38% snap rate when Mahomes is in the game. Um, and that was with Kadarius Tony really not playing much at all. That's kind of a bummer. But I do think it's going to continue to rise. And I think he's the clearest um, bet to place among these guys as someone who might emerge. <laughs> he's looked really good. Adam loves cottage cheese with fruit. I Now I'm a Greek oh. yogurt with fruit guy, but I do like a nice cottage cheese with fruit. Oh, right. God, I've never tried cottage cheese. It looks so gross to me. It's gross like by itself. Cheese. It's gross by... You like it, Jacob? Yeah. <sighs> I used to be super into fitness, and I would eat that way too much. Yeah, well, so even, that's why you had the guns. I yeah. guess it is kind of good for you, but like yeah, it just it looks so gross, and the consistency of it really you gotta, you, First, me. you got to swirl it around. You got to mix it. Uh, you gotta, uh, uh, it's, it's like yogurt. You know, you got like a little liquidy at the top and thicker. You got to swirl it around, but you got to have fruit in there. I mean, the fruit makes it. You can't just like Jacob's not a sick enough guy to just eat straight cottage cheese. He probably did. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting. You know it. <laughs> okay. Kendrick Bourne played 56% of the snap. So I think it's pretty much over for him after that big week one, or at least it's over for now. You don't have to hold on to him. And that's all I really have to say. Uh, let's start. I think we have some film review, but I think they coincide with the big topics, right, Dan? Correct. All right, so let's go to our five big topics. The first one is from Bada Bing, Bada Boom. The A-Chain train is gaining steam. And yeah, I don't see how we could do this show and not talk about Devon A-Chain. Uh, Dan, how are you feeling about uh, Devon A-Chain and the Dolphins' backfield? Well, according to Adam Schefter, we're not supposed to pronounce it A-Chain anymore. He wants it to pronounce, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this tweet, but A-Chan, I think it is, or A-Chan, A-Chan, maybe. Do you see the Schefter tweet? 
Yeah, no, go take a no. look at your go take a look at your Schefter, but not important right now how to pronounce his name. We'll figure that one out. But I do want to bring up before we get into Devin Achain's film. I'm going to call Devon. Devon. First of all, it is Devon. That one I know. So okay. I'm not taking any pronunciation tips from you ever. But... <laughs> Devon Achain uh, is taped. Go ahead. Uh, I want to go back to a little text message I had with Adam <laughs> that I luckily was able to recover earlier from this year. About I was in March right before the NFL draft. Adam, I was on an FFT episode. I was lucky enough to be asked to do an offseason episode and adam's like give me your favorite fits in the from the nfl draft prospects and their your favorite fits or what team could draft them and you know i didn't want to just do oh let's do P. John robertson to the eagles like everybody else and offering literally nothing for our listeners i wanted to dig a little deeper and find something that might be interesting and might work out so the first one i texted him because it was one i'm most excited about was devin devon achan no okay okay it's achan that's A-chan. so everyone says a chain, including the Dolphins okay. media guide. A chan is how he wants to pronounce, according to Adam Schefter. Devon A chan. So looking at this text, Devon A chan, I sent to Adam, best fit I want, Devon A chan to the Dolphins. And he responds back, A chan is a kick returner in the NFL! Exclamation <laughs> mark. This is an exact text. Here it is. HN is a kick returner. And I was like, not definitely. I see Javad best. I really like his tape. He's a tough runner between the tackles. And I was like, no, give me someone else. We're not doing a chain or a chan. Is that quote? Are you you still quoting directly? (laughs) No, I've gone off. Yeah, no, now you're just making things up. Now you're just putting words (laughs) in my mouth. Everything was true until the end. No, but you did say we can't use him. And we didn't use him on that show. So I had to pivot to someone else. I don't remember who it was. Charbonnet is somewhere that he didn't end up. But I had this nailed before the draft. He was the perfect fit for Mike McDaniel's one-cut system. And that's what we're going to get into right now with our film review here as I look over to my HN notes. And I just want to talk about the first run of the game because it comes at 1046 in the first quarter. It's so clear the Dolphins wanted to make him a factor for this game. He goes 26 yards on this with a violent and decisive cutback. This was one of the one of the multiple times in the game the Dolphins put him out in space with a with a toss or with an outside zone type of play. And it's the exact factor that led me to believe and tell Adam that I wanted to do HN to the Dolphins as my best fit in the draft back in March before they drafted him because it's that ability to one cut and rip it. It was 21 yards before contact on this, but he owned, but he made the cut eight yards down the field to create that extra 13 yards before contact with that violent one cut. He is the best fit for this system with his one cut ability. They motioned him into the backfield after lining him up on the outside on more than a few snaps. One they did in the red zone. They handed it off to Moser for a touchdown. They came back to it in the second half and he was able to crush this one. I believe this one was for a eight yard gain with seven yards before contact. Just great contact balance on the run. I thought seeing him in the red zone right away in quarter one was a good, uh, good sign of what could be to come. My favorite run, though, by him was 636 left in, in the second quarter. He forced a missed tackle, got eight yards after contact on an inside zone play that got blown up to the play side. He showed patience, vision, and he somehow turned this into an eight-yard gain. It should have been a one-yard loss. That jet motion play I talked about earlier with HN came back around on Mostert's touchdown run uh, in the second quarter. I, I, I said third quarter earlier. It was in the second quarter. Um, again, they came back to the jet motion in the second half and actually gave it to him this time. He took it for 26 yards after contact, weaving in and out with jump cuts. I thought his processing on a counter run with 513 in quarter three to turn into a seven-yard game. And I just mentioned the the, the timestamps for those who have game pass and want to watch this. 513 quarter three turned this into a seven-yard run on a counter run. I loved how they used him on inside zone, outside zone, counter outside run plays with pitches, uh, textbook processing on an outside zone play with 850 to go in quarter four. 
ran it perfectly. And then obviously the 67 yard touchdown run was a really good job. I thought by McDaniel to use some pre-snap motion to pull defender, but just look at how patiently he processes the blocks on that before then exploding through that one cut to take it to the house. It's different. It's different to making speed, obviously. But the thing that people miss with Devin A. Chain's film at Texas A&M is that he was really tough runner between the tackles and a really good processor between the tackles, a patient runner who has better vision than people realize. He's not your typical one cut explode four three three combine guy. Usually those guys can't process the way he does. And usually those guys can't create in between the tackles with good low center of gravity and yards after contact the way he can. I'm very excited about A. Chain. I'm happy it's happening so soon. And I was really impressed with the tape. It was it was just incredible. His performance was incredible. Devon Achan, we'll have to work on that. It's going to be t- a tough adjustment for everyone. But <laughs> who's the best Dolphins running back rest of season? I think the most upside lays with Achan. Um, obviously, we always worry about durability with Mostert. I will say that in this spot, I think we saw the Jalen Waddle injury help Achan a little bit, get on the field a little bit more. They split Mostert out wide and did some kind of creative pre-snap motion stuff with him. Um, almost 25% of Mostert's snaps came outside of the backfield compared to 12% in the first two weeks. So just a small thing that I think when Waddle's back, and especially if Jeff Wilson comes back and has a role, like I don't know what the role is for Achan. But on the other side of that, he got a lot of carries early in the game, like Dan said. Yeah. Like it wasn't just coming in blowout. Right. No, they it was a split. It was a split. It's really... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 70 points my god the one okay so the optimistic don't trade these guys while they're super you know super high uh is is the cowboys last year okay so you're basically banking on the dolphins being the most efficient team in football which is certainly within the realm of possibility and maybe the highest scoring but i'm going to compare it to the cowboys i think it was their last eight games of the season including the Tampa Bay game. Basically, I did this for Tony Pollard. So it was their last eight games of the season, including the Bucks game in the playoffs, but not including the 49ers game in the playoffs. That's when uh, that's when Tony Pollard got hurt. So in those eight games, the Cowboys went 7-1. and one. They scored 32.5 points per game, which would have been the best in the NFL if they had done that for a full season. Um, they and And here's the thing. Pollard was great. Zeke was actually pretty good. Dak barely threw, but he was so good. He was so efficient that he was on pace for uh, forty, almost 4,700 yards and 40 touchdowns on 32.3 pass attempts per game. Uh, C.D. Lamb was on pace for 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. Dalton Schultz was on pace for 763 yards and 9 touchdowns. So you had the Cowboys. They were so good that even though Tony Pollard was actually getting fewer carries than Zeke. He was still like a top five running back. Zeke was a number two running back or maybe even a low end number one running back because he scored so many touchdowns. Lamb was awesome. Dak was awesome. Schultz was good for a tight end. It's not going to play out exactly like that. You know, Waddle's going to have a bigger role, obviously, when he's back. But that's the hope here. Otherwise, they're just pro- there might be too many mouths to feed in the Dolphins' backfield. I don't know. But that's what gives me hope is that they can be the best, basically, they can be the best offense in football, and they can do it without a ton of pass attempts. And those running backs can, those running backs can get it done. However, I don't think that's really in the Dolphins' DNA, like it was in the Cowboys' DNA, to be a ground and pound team last year. I don't see, I don't see the Dolphins doing that. So, 
again, I, I, I think I would try to get something great. This might be your only chance to get something great for Mostert or A-Chain. Then again, Raheem Mostert gets hurt all the time, and he's 31 years old, and if you give up Devon A-Chain right now, you could be giving up, like honestly, a top five running back if there's a scenario. So that was uh, very confusing and didn't offer a lot of advice, but I'm giving you, I guess, different, different ways this could play out. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on how, how do you see this playing out for the Dolphins' backfield? No, I don't think there's much predictability to it. I think it, I would be really hard-pressed to trade away Achan at this point. Um, I think I would have to get... Yes, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Me making the case to be able to talk about Achan on the show. Adam telling me, no, use Gibbs. He's such a perfect fit. And me trying to explain why I want to use Achan. And Adam saying, Achan is a kick returner at the NFL level. <laughs> I like Javid Best, Best. Comp. Javid Best was awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I see some Javid Best in him, but I think he's even tough. A little bit of a, but Best was a tough runner too. A tough runner. And yeah, let's was. not bury the lead here. Look at this, this. You look at the screenshot. Dan has 181 unread messages. That is <laughs> insulting. Why would anyone even bother texting Dan Schneier? He's, he feels he's too good. He's no, so it's not smart. that I feel him too he good. I'm stuck, in, I'm stuck in 17,000 group chats, and I don't always check them. They're hard to check. They're hard to keep up with. We have a busy life here, Adam. We yeah, work yeah. a lot. Like, You're so smart and so above everyone. You understand the wire. It's not that. You understand well, that the wire like no one else can. <laughs> All right, let's go to our next topic here, guys. Let's take a break, actually. When we come back, biggest risers and fallers. Uh, since preseason. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus. Second big topic comes from Jovan. If we draft today, who is the biggest riser and the biggest faller? Dan Schneier, who is the biggest riser and faller for you? Okay, so I don't want to steal your thunder on all of these, Adam, but and I'll let you so I'll let you talk about some that you came up with first, even though you know it's not like we had a chance to really come up with it. I, you can steal, you... steal anything you want. No, I'll let you do it. But Keenan Allen, but I'm going to let you talk about why you have Keenan Allen. I'm also going to say Justin Herbert, though, and, and I'll I'll lean into that one. Justin Herbert, they he's getting we might be getting to the point with Justin Herbert. So first of all, he went 40 of 47 yesterday. He attempted 47 passes, completed 40 of them for over 400 yards and three touchdowns in that game. They tried to blitz him an incredible amount to throw him off. They blitzed him 82% of the time, and he still completed 40 of 47 for four or five. We may be getting to the point with Justin Herbert where teams are so confused at how to stop him from a passing standpoint that they have to do the let's send the house this game and try to just blitz him and throw him off. And he's so good that he can beat the blitz with his mind and with his arm. One thing people don't realize about Herbert, he's a great processing quarterback. He was, I think, a biomed major. And I always come back to this because I just feel like if you're a biomed major, you can process information a lot faster and you have a photographic memory, which a lot of people don't have. And 
Is that, I knew so he'd that be a, a great... Is that a step? Every biomed uh, major has a photographic memory? I think so, or damn close. Okay. And I think people who are biomed majors in the comments can back this up or, or attest Did you this see that on talk. True Media, too? Is that like a... <laughs> I didn't get that one from True Media. <laughs> okay, but okay. my thought with Herbert is I knew he'd be a perfect fit for Kellen Moore, and this would be the thing that breaks him out. But I just didn't know it would happen this fast, and it is happening this fast. So Herbert would be a big rise for me. I mentioned Tank Dell earlier. Raheem Mostert, you have to throw in there. And then a fun one. Puka Nakua, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, he's the yeah. big, he has Lay to be up. one of the biggest risers right now. If we drafted today, where would we take Puka Nakua? Probably in that round three, round four yeah. range. Uh, by the way, I have to ask about Herbert here. I mean, is anybody worried about Herbert without Mike Williams? It's a pretty big deal. I'm not, personally, no. And with Eckler coming back, too, because Eckler's a, a touchdown stealer. He was last year. He was in week one. He's also a I target think- stealer. Is there going to be fewer? I think there'll be fewer downfield throws now. I I don't want to say I'm worried, but I th- I think it's a worse situation for uh, for Herbert. It's a worse situation, but I think he's also playing the best football of his career by a wide margin, and I think that will overcome the situation. Okay. Uh, who are some risers for you, Jacob? Uh, Dan hit on a lot of them. Obviously, I think Puka and Kyron Williams are probably the two biggest ones. Uh, Keenan Allen for me as well. Michael Pittman is somebody I would bring up. The target shares we've seen from Michael Pittman are true wide receiver one stuff and um that's kind of the player we thought he was after his first few seasons but really he hadn't broken out in fantasy the way we would have liked um but my guy matt Harmon just like continues to pound the table for michael pittman being elite and he's looked like it so far and so if anthony richardson comes back there's so much potential with this offense like we've talked about with the pace that they're playing with the rpos and all that and i think alec pierce has looked really bad um, and so the only real target competition is Josh Downs, who I like a lot, um, but he's only playing in three receiver sets anyway. So I think we might see Pittman end the year with like a top five or top eight target share at wide receiver on an offense that's producing a ton of target volume, a ton of dropbacks. Big riser for me is obviously Keenan Allen. You know, you're worried about the age. Just don't even worry about it anymore. He's obviously the same guy. <laughs> right now he's the number two wide receiver in fantasy, though, Keenan Allen. And I think if you look at that, you've got no Eckler for two games. Now you have no Mike Williams, so that you know probably helps him. But you've also gotten huge performances against Tennessee and Minnesota. Something, another thing you should consider here for Justin Herbert. He's faced arguably the two best matchups in fantasy. The next games are Jackson. No, I'm sorry, that's the wrong schedule. The next games are um, Las Vegas, which should be pretty easy. Then a bye, Dallas, Kansas City, Chicago, the Jets. It's a fine schedule. But I think Keenan Allen, if I were drafting again today, he's not a huge riser because he was a, like a late third round pick for me. He's probably a two, three turn pick, maybe a little bit earlier. If you can get first round value for him, I wouldn't trade him for Josh Jacobs or anything like that. But if you can get first round value for Keenan Allen, I think you should. Uh, But he's definitely, he's just Keenan Allen. You know, he's just, he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver per game. I think that there's, he does it every single year. So why should this year be any different? It should be even better to be honest, because he's got Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is a slot receiver whisperer. And uh, faller for me is Kyle Pitts, and I did watch every route he ran, and I really think he's kind of limping. I feel the same way. I feel like he's not 100% I don't healthy, think he's Adam. Healthy. I, no one's yeah. talked about this, but I feel like the exact same way that he's not fully healthy or not moving that well. Yeah, so I'm really pretty down on him, and he. But the thing is, he's still getting open. He beat this mm-hmm. guy. He beat a defensive back deep in the first possession of the game, and Ritter missed him badly on a deep ball that could have been a 40 to 50 yard play um so yeah i regress big this week (laughs) by the way 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm just not feeling it with Kyle Pitts. I don't think he's healthy. I, I think there are too many games where he's going to get five targets, and I'd take Laporta over him. I, there's not that many guys that were drafted after him that I'd take ahead of him, but I just wouldn't really prioritize Kyle Pitts at all, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm glad someone else saw that because I, I think he's I think he's lumbering and struggling a little bit out there coming from back from the MCL surgery. Faller for you, Dan Schneier. I've got a few fallers on this list. I'm going to start with Josh Jacobs, who we already discussed earlier, but so I don't need to get more into that. This one feels like cheating, but Jamar Chase, right? Like if we were drafting again today with the Burrow situation, maybe we didn't put enough credit in him potentially being injured or having a limpy year. Uh, and then my two other ones are just two guys that, you know, I didn't draft much of. One guy I drafted none of, but we seem to push these guys up draft boards because this is what we do with this position. And it's Mark Andrews and it's Darren Waller. Mark Andrews, you know, we push him all the way up the draft board because he plays tight end. You need to start a tight end. But I'm watching this offense, man, and I don't think it's running the way. We didn't give enough credit for how much Greg Roman schemed up that offense for Mark Andrews. This offense is not being schemed up for Mark Andrews. I don't understand how, you know, we're seeing these. I understand it, but I think we have to factor in. We're seeing these games where Zay Flowers is doubling, almost doubling Mark Andrews. We're seeing a game. What about the game where Mark, oh yeah. He didn't play in week one. And he had eight targets on limited snaps in week two and a touchdown. I'm actually looking to buy low. I'm I'm looking to buy low on Mark Andrews. He may not (laughs) be amazing, but man, (laughs) tight end is so bad right now. (laughs) It's an opportunity, I think, to get him. If you can get him cheap, I'm fine with it. And then I go to Darren Waller on the Giants, another tight end who we pushed up and I really liked in the preseason. I'm seeing some things from Darren Waller that I don't love, which is last game, the San Francisco 49ers bracketed him on almost every route that he ran, and they just did everything they can to take away his ability to make big plays down the field, which he hasn't made any of yet, uh, with the exception of the 25-yarder against Mm -hmm. the Cardinals. So I just feel like if teams are going to continue to play the Giants this way, and I don't see why they wouldn't, considering the rest of the offense, um, Maybe Jalen Hyatt can change that at some point, but if they are going to continue to play Waller this way, it's going to be really difficult for him to be a big fantasy asset. It's just hard to beat bracket coverage. Yeah, I think it might be difficult for him to have a huge year, but I, th- I still think he could be a target hog, a lot of catches. Yeah. And again, you know, when a team has a really bad offensive line, and I don't think the Giants are always going to have a really bad offensive line, but the state of it right now or the state of it for week three was was pretty bad. When, when they face a team with a great pass rush, it just makes everyone look so much worse. So yep. the Cowboys in week one, with Andrew Thomas getting hurt on the opening possession and playing through it and playing poorly, and the 49ers in week three, there's just no chance. I mean, there's just no chance for the Giants offense there. So I, I would buy low on Waller, too, because tight end stinks. It just absolutely stinks. I mean, I feel like it so- might be worse this year than it's been in the past. Uh, and you, you know, I, I don't you can, mind buying low on them, Adam, but I think the point of the segment is I just want to clarify. The point fallers. of the segment is who, who are fallers. It okay. just means I wouldn't be drafting them as high. I don't mind right. buying low on either. And I think this goes back to the main point we always struggle with with tight ends. Like these guys may end up finishing tight end four, tight end five, tight end six. But if they're not actually produced that because the position's so horrible, but if they're not actually producing weekly difference making totals, they're not worth the hmm. second round draft capital for Mark Andrews or the fourth round draft capital for Darren Wall. I still, I mean, I, I'm more nervous about Waller, but I still believe in Andrews. I'd have to see another game of him performing poorly before I even start to question it. But I just think Andrews is is a great player and is going to benefit from more pass attempts from from uh, Jackson. Uh, who's your faller, Jacob? Your fallers. Uh, real quick on Justin Herbert, I did look it up, and when Mike Williams has been off the field, his EPA per dropback has dropped from 0.1 to 0.02. So that's 
from Joe Burrow range to like Tom Brady last year range. Um, he's been noticeably worse without him, but that's also without Quinn Johnson on the field. So hopefully he can add an element there. Um, Fowler's Najee Harris. We've talked about it already. I don't really even see him as fantasy relevant at this point. DJ Moore. Um, like I said, he was outside the top 30 for me going into the year. He actually had a decent game from, he found the end zone had all right underlying volume, but like, for so much of the game, it was the same thing. He kind of got there in garbage time, and maybe he'll do that, but I think there will be weeks where he doesn't as well, and he's giving you absolutely nothing. And it's just like, I don't know. I just don't want any part of that. And I think he's somebody who, if we drafted today, I wouldn't be taking to like the sixth or seventh round. John Dotson is somebody oh, who people were really, really excited for. Yeah. And he's been pretty invisible out there. Um, and so that that's frustrating as well. I, I The underlying volume is not there he's there's really no reason to be encouraged other than i think john dotson is really good um yeah. but like man the, the offense looked bad this week yeah howell's coming down to earth way yeah. back down to earth dan the type of dude to cheat while playing board games what? i don't cheat in board games i'm a, i'm very <laughs> shrewd strategic player um but i don't cheat like i'll do things like you know like for example if anyone's ever played sellers of Catan, have you played that adam i feel like you you have it's a fun game no i never have jacob have you played big time so for me, like one of my shrewd moves in that is like I I'm very vindictive. Like if you if you put the robber on me early, I'll go out of my way to be like <laughs> you robber me once, you're getting robbed the next time. I'm just putting it on you. I won't even consider any other player here. So like, <laughs> or I'll do like the fake like I drew a D card. I have a knight. If you put the robber on, it's going right back on you when I don't actually have a knight under there. So I, I got moves. I got shrewd moves, and I'm a tough player, but I don't cheat. All right, listen, guys, I got three more topics in about five more minutes. So <laughs> oh, no. Let's- <laughs> Let's try to this this one. Topic number three is from Jacob Gibbs. I want to hear Dan Schneier's take on Ramondre Stevenson, but I also don't want to ask him to watch Zeke. <laughs> so, what's our take on Ramondre Stevenson, who right now is the number sixteen running back in PPR, number seventeen in non PPR? But that's with a few teams having only played two games and a few running backs having only played two games. Obviously, um, he's faced two very good run defenses and one kind of bad one. His longest run is 12 yards. He's averaging 2.9 yards per carry. He has 10 catches in three games. It's not good right now for Ramondre. Who's worried about Ramondre, Dan? Yeah, I'm worried. I'm going to try to do this fast because we don't have a lot of time. I'm worried that the target volume is down. I expected that to be the case with Bill O'Brien's offense. I predicted that. I'm not seeing a lot of yards after contact. I'm not seeing a lot to work with, though, before contact, but that doesn't really get me excited. I didn't think he created many... Uh, force missed tackles in this game. I think it was two they were charted for, um, but that was even worse. Seven of the eight, seven of the last eight runs of the game before the garbage time series of 119 left were Ezekiel Elliott, not Ramondre Stevenson. I wonder what that's about. I thought Ezekiel Elliott looked better than Stevenson in the game, and that's not saying a lot because I don't think he looked that good. It doesn't have the same juice he had, but the best run by any Patriots running back was first and 10 with 121 to go in the second quarter, and it was inside zone by Zeke. He processed it well. The only run that impressed me from Ramondre Stevenson was 12-18, quarter three. He avoided a tackle, made a great cutback across the, the line of scrimmage, got eight out of something that could have been a one-yard gain. A lot of draw plays that didn't work. Oh, I like that. A little- Run up the middle, run up the middle. Run up, I watched every carry of this yeah. game from Stevenson. How boring. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was unimpressive. It was very unimpressive. The Patriots offensive line is finally having that year we've all been waiting for where they took the step back. And there was always times where you'd be like, it's going to happen this year. It's going to happen this year. But when they used to have Skarnecchia, who's the best offensive line coach, I think, ever, it never really mattered. They just plug and play. Now it feels like it matters, and they're not creating yards before contact. All right, would you guys rather have Jacobs or Stevenson rest of the season? Jacobs, without a yeah. doubt. 
Would you rather have wow. Stevenson or Miles Sanders? Oh, I thought you were going to throw an A-chain into that. I'm so I don't know what to do with A-chain and Mostert. Uh, I'd like rather have both. <laughs> I don't know that I would. I think I'd, I think I'd still rather have Stevenson, but... Stevenson over Sanders for me? Stevenson yeah, Stevenson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not ready to answer Dolphins running backs versus... Me either. Because I don't want to give people advice. I have no idea what's going to happen there. I have Especially none. if Jeff Wilson makes it back and, and complicates things further there. I mean, they're obviously one of the best offenses in football. So you can hang your hat on that. But right. It just, I don't know what's going to happen there. It's, I gave you some scenarios. It's anyone's guess at this point. Let's go to our next topic. It's from Nestor. What to make of the Jags? So yes. this is the second week in a row that I've gone back and watched the Jaguars. And let me tell you, self-inflicted wounds in this yes. game. Yeah. First I have possession. so much to say. Go yes, ahead. me Sorry. too. I'll just, okay, I'll go quick. First possession, Calvin Ridley drops a touchdown. 30-yard touchdown. Um, later in the half, uh, Calvin Ridley, I think, had a drop. He had a drop on third down. They ended up settling. No, he had a catch on third down. It was called back on a penalty. Both of those drives ended in field goals that were missed. One of them was blocked. Uh, later in the half, they're driving on Houston. Jamal Agnew fumbles at like the 30 or the 25-yard line or something like that. This team is shooting itself in the foot. The, the offensive line cannot be blamed. They are giving up the eighth, fewest, eighth lowest pressure rate through three games in the NFL. They're not really getting anything going downfield. The one thing I noticed, a lot of too deep safety looks or just a conservative uh, defensive approach for the Texans trying to take away the deep ball. But they're just making a lot of mistakes. They were better in the second half, and maybe that coincided with Doug Peterson taking over the play calling. I think it's fixable, but also it, it just seems like teams are trying to take away their explosiveness, and they are responding with a lot of handoffs and some screen passes. It's working out great for ETN and not so much for anyone else. Uh, Jacob, what do you have to say? Uh, 5% off target rate this game for Trevor Lawrence, best of the season by far. Um, but yeah, terrible drops. Don't like what I'm seeing from his supporting cast. I don't think Lawrence is playing bad necessarily. I want to hear Dan. Yeah, I mean, Jacob nailed it. <laughs> Lawrence looks so good in this game, and yet the stat line doesn't show it. The first, I can go over this, is just insane to me watching this game. They had five first half possessions, the Jaguars. Here's how they ended. The first possession, Lawrence ripped a ball up the seam on a vertical route to Ridley where the safety was lined up on the hash. I never even see a quarterback try this because they usually will just get picked. He beat the safety to the spot. It landed right over the outside shoulder of Ridley and he just dropped it. Then third and long, he throws, he rips an out past the sticks. I don't think I could have half the two quarterbacks could have thrown this ball better. There was no space at all. It was the tightest window. The receiver couldn't get the feed inbounds. Okay, yeah. it ends there. Yeah. On the second drive, they run three straight plays and ETN gets a third and one. He gets a one yard gain and they punt from the 46. Okay, on the third drive, Lawrence rips a ball into Ridley on a slant on second and eight. 13-yard gain. Ridley drops it. It hits him right in that the chest. The one, right. All three of these drops have been perfect throws, by the way, so far. Yeah. That possession ends. Fourth drive. The Jaguars convert a fourth and one with a great throw from Trevor Lawrence. And this was after they got Lawrence got killed on a second and 11 to convert that one to Agnew with the left guard got beat in a half a second. But this one, they convert on fourth and one holding on the same guard, number 68. I know you mentioned the statistic about the O-line. I guess it looks better on the stats than it did to me on film. I thought 68, whoever's playing guard for them, left guard is as bad as what the Giants have in Shane Lemieux, and that's as bad as it gets no, or what they had last week. That bad. So that's how this one ends. They take a holding. It's fourth and 11. They punt the fifth possession. They're moving it. Lawrence is faced with a third and 10. He rips the ball. Another perfect throw to Agnew. He beats the coverage. 15 yard. I already, said, I already said all of this. I said <laughs> okay, almost I just, all of this. 
I wanted to go over it because of how unlucky it seems and how little it had to do with Trevor Lawrence being bad in this game. Um, so, you know, this is what I went over. And then the second half, things got a little bit better. But that first half, all five of those things, I brought them up. Even if we reiterate with them, Adam, it shows like that's not on Lawrence. That's not like yeah. that's just a bunch of unfortunate things that are all on the rest of the team. Rob, I'll tell you what, what concerns me is they have one completion this year of 30 or more yards. So we've seen a lot of teams get played defensively. And Jacob, maybe you can look it up. Our team's playing that way defensively against the Jaguars, just keeping everything in front of them. And how do they beat it? How do they figure it out? I don't know if the Jaguars are really figuring it out right now because it doesn't seem like there's much of a vertical passing game. Trevor Lawrence is like 24th in air yards per pass attempt. I think he was 22nd last year, so it's not a huge difference. But uh, they're not really getting the chunk plays in the air. It's benefiting Travis Etienne, and he was phenomenal in the passing game in this game. I mean, screen passes, he was just lethal. Uh, so I love that. But they're going to have to figure out ways to get chunk plays in the passing game if defenses are going to play them that way. They're not doing it right now. They're one of six teams that has only one completion of 30 or more yards. Uh, but, you know, you look at those other teams, and you would think Jacksonville is, is going to be more explosive than those teams. So I, I, you know, I just, uh, I, I'm still optimistic, but what actually gives me a little bit of pause is their upcoming schedule is not very easy. Atlanta and Buffalo. I mean, Atlanta's been pretty good defensively. Buffalo's yeah. good. The Colts should be an easy one for them. The Saints, they're super tough. The Steelers, kind of iffy, and then a bye. And then San Francisco. But I, I don't know that I'm necessarily buying low unless people are panicking. Uh, but I also, I think Lawrence is going to be fine because like we've said, he played pretty well yesterday. His receivers did not help him out. Anything else, Jacob? Dan, how many of your unread group chats are pretentious uh, TV discourse, you know, <laughs> an analysis? I don't think any are actually that. Um, but look, I'm looking at it now. People always make comments about this. It's like, I don't know. Like there's so many of these where it's like, how would there's so many group chats? You guys click through every let's, single let's one of them. Check, let's check the tape here. Let's let's look at one of these texts. You showed a text of me and you embarrassing me earlier. All right, so I went oh, through my no. text. I said, let's find something that's gonna embarrass you. Oh, no. All right, so oh, this no. is during the draftathon. And if you just look at my replies and Dan's, look at the word count. Dan's throwing entire football fantasy football rosters at me while I'm hosting a live show that's six hours long and doesn't have a commercial break. I mean, look at how annoyed I am with Dan Schneier here. Just you told me to send them me. to you. You oh, literally please. told me to send them to you. I, I didn't scroll that far up. That might be possible, but this is just <laughs> meant to get back at you from before. But I mean, like you're sending me these, just email them to me or something. Am I going to check my text, read these texts? Come on. Come on, Dan Schneider. You're better than that. I'm on the air. You can't be doing this while I'm on the air, Dan Schneider. That's fair. That's fair. I think someone told me to do that. Maybe it was Debo. It looks like from that text, it was Debo. We were all scrambling that night. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. Uh, one more here. Jacob Gibbs is the type of dude to catch a spider and put it outside. <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> That's they've awesome. been honestly nailing these. <laughs> they've been pretty good. Yeah, they've been pretty yeah. good. Except the raisins thing. All right, later, everybody. Yeah. Thanks so much for watching and listening to Beyond the Box Score tomorrow. <laughs> Waiver Wire on Tuesday morning. Tonight, 6.30 p.m. Live stream, youtube.com slash fantasy football. See you.